0: You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to our Influences in Accounting podcast with me, Rob Brown. This is the Deep Dive Show, where we bring you the experts that know a lot about certain topics that affect the accounting and fintech bookkeeping world. And today we've got with us Donnie Shimamoto, back for the second time. Donnie, it's lovely to have you with us. Thanks, Rob. It's glad to be back. Donnie, we talked about accounting transformation last time. There is so much going on in this ever-changing world, and we'll put the link to that show in the show notes for this one. But this time, we're going to get you on another of your specialist topics, which is ESG, environmental and social governance. So let's kick off by asking you really quick what
1: that really
0: is in your world and why it's important.
1: Interesting that you called me a specialist because this is one where I don't know if any of us are specialists yet. Well, Uh, we're all learners, but you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, but I think that's where we should level set. You know, this is a new area um, for accountants, but it's an evolving area. And I think it actually represents a great opportunity for us as accountants. So You know, when we look at ESG, environmental, social, and governance reporting, this whole picture is the broader picture of business. And on the last podcast, I had mentioned a lot about, you know, as accountants, we need to look at the holistic picture of business. So I really feel like ESG provides us a framework. We all like our frameworks. ESG provides us a framework with looking at things outside of the finance function. And whether it's environmental, which I think that one a lot of us are familiar with. We've had sustainability around for a while carbon gas emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, like all of that stuff's been around for a while. So environment's kind of been an easy one. Then the second area with social, and that people may go, oh, that's kind of HR-ish. It it is to a certain extent, but the pandemic, I think, brought a different flavor into that. So in the pandemic, we were looking at people's safety. Again, people might think HR, OSHA. In the US, we think of OSHA and labor relations, right? And that kind of stuff. But it was really about, safety, and safety comes back to what are the risks that we're infecting customers or employees are infecting each other and passing the virus around? And what are the controls that we're gonna put into place to help mitigate those risks? And so what are the changes in policy or business practices, maybe how we're gonna do remote work that can now start to help us mitigate these things? And as an accountant, we also had to look at, at, you know, as we're working with clients, how what are the different options for clients so like with a restaurant that couldn't have customers come in and do we actually have the employees come in and if we have the employees come in if they're infected are they passing the virus onto the food which is then going out to the customers whether through delivery or pickup and that was a question too we had to help i think businesses look at do you go to or restaurants go to do i go to delivery and if i go to delivery am i building my own delivery staff which then i need to look at insurance implications that i need to look at drivers. And all of a sudden, now I'm not just a restaurant in one place. I've got people driving all over the place. And how do I schedule that? And how do I get the orders from my customers? And, or am I, is it all pickup and, t- and take out? And with that, I, again, kind of it's whole different set of, of different things that I have to think through and really look at. And then of course, the last one is really in the governance. So governance is really more internal. How is the business itself making decisions? And cybersecurity actually falls into that because it ties into, am I actually protecting my customers' information, my employees' information? And the other thing that falls into governance is ethics. So how does the business make ethical decisions? So not just profit driving, it kind of brings us back to the triple bottom line. And that was another lens that I think as accountants, we had to come back and look at. So whether it was in the pandemic with what's the right thing to do, not just the profitable thing to do, but the right thing to do for safety, you can also look at it in terms of the adoption of emerging technologies. So with the use of artificial intelligence and privacy of people's information, we saw a lot of it of things come up with like Facebook and all of these right, or large tech companies around privacy of information. What's ethical for us to do with the data that we have around customers or clients, or and that's all falls into that governance area. So this whole ESG helps us look at again, kind of the more holistic, view of our businesses
0: and what would you say to perhaps the cynical people donnie that say look this is just another fad we're just all getting woke we want to be politically correct but it's all hyped up and we don't necessarily need to be intentional with this or purposeful we'll just carry on evolving as we're doing at the slow rate and it's not a big deal what would you say to them i think a lot of their
1: events have, have good arguments i actually read the book Woke inc, inc is actually one of the books that does that. And, you know, and and I, as I read that, and this is one of the things I try to do with all the issues that I deal with, is keep an open mind, right? So keeping an open mind, I read through his things, and it was really interesting in in Woke Inc. because he talks about how a lot of these hedge funds and these big money managers I mean, they're really just focused on the bottom line. And internally in those businesses, they also have this very horrid, I don't think what word you use, a horrid kind of culture that doesn't, we talked about DE&I in the last podcast, completely not aware of DE&I, not kind of stuff that's going on. But it, there's almost, so when we look at that, there's this whole angle of, yeah, it can be completely used. And he he's, it's kind of like the greenwashing. He draws the analogy to the greenwashing and the fact that, you know, there was a gas company or several gas companies, I think, that were on the top, the top 100 green companies. And like, how can a gas company ever be on the top, top there? And as you look at this, it's a lot of that's, I think, marketing, because a lot of those numbers are not done by accountants. It's a lot of that's marketing and marketing spin. So again, it comes back to the whole ethics and the governance side around what really is happening. And then the other thing I'm going to pull into that is, the auditor's role on the presentation of information, because it's not just about presenting the information, it's about making sure the the information actually represents what's actually happening. So as we start to look at this, I think as accountants, we actually play a really critical role to ensure that ESG reporting does not become this greenwashing, that it truly is representative of what's happening in a business. And Whether you're the internal finance person that's preparing these reports, or you're the auditor that's looking at the reporting going, well, is is this really true? Is this really an accurate pick? Is the the gas company really that green? Can Can we properly attest, put our name to that and say that we feel that? And so I think both sides of the profession really are gonna have to come together to make sure ESG doesn't just become this next hype. And it does represent meaningful reporting. It's the next evolution of reporting most people are already saying financial statements are irrelevant. I, I don't know that they're irrelevant. I think they're table stakes at this point they're a given if you don't have good financials, no one's going to give you money no one's going to give you any type of good valuation, but you need to look at the whole picture of what's happening to then come up with the valuation and even the stock market drives this way right the analysts look at the everything else and ESG reporting was going to be part of that everything else
0: I understand that we've had professor. Baruch Lev on our show. He wrote a book called The Death of Accounting. And he really talked about how insufficient financial reports are. And now they don't tell the real picture. They don't paint the environmental picture. They don't paint the people picture and the culture picture and the training and development. So they don't give investors and stakeholders, shareholders, the information that they need. So I guess some people have, have leveled the criticism at ESG and that it's, look, it's just integrated reporting. It's just a, a little bit more comprehensive than it would have been, but it is more than that, isn't it? It is. And
1: you you bring up integrated reporting, which goes back to the 90s. So there is the potential again that, yeah, it's going to become integrated reporting. And that never really went anywhere. But if you look at the stream of events since then, right, that integrated reporting came up in the 90s. In the early 2000s, we had the Enron scandal, which really rocked the whole world around controls. And it forced everything to go back to controls. And it wasn't until around 2013 that we kind of got all of this controls and lock everything down, uh, lock everything down from a control standpoint. Back in 2013, and we saw this move into FP&A now starting to take the fore with budgeting and planning, but still primarily within the finance area, which leads towards projections, which the market looks at a lot as well. And now we're, I think, finally getting past that and looking beyond financials. And so... When I hear people talk about the death of accounting, I think what they really mean is the death of the financial only accounting, because we're purposely not called finance majors. That's a completely different major. We're accounting majors. And what we do in accounting is we count and report according to standards. And so now what we're seeing in ESG is the evolution of the standards and a better definition of the standards so that we will see, I think, integrated reporting really start to come back because it's the correlation of the non-financial aspects with the financial aspects to look at how are these non-financial aspects of what we do drive financial results. And so we've flipped it. Rather than finance being the end point or the end-all be-all, it's these other non-financial things that then drive finance and valuation in the end. That makes good sense. And the accountant is the
0: trusted advisor. They have a duty of care to their clients. And Often it's the clients driving the ESG agenda. I need to do this reporting now. I need to show that I'm carbon neutral. If I want to get this government tender or win this proposal, I need to show certain certifications that I'm compliant. They then turn to the accountant and say, help with that. So the accountant has got to be on
1: the side. Exactly in that same way, the same way, like if if it was a lender that was trying to get money, right? The Business is going to put a financial statement for The The lender's going to look at that and go, well, how do I know this is true? And they want the audit to tell them that it's correct. And the same thing's going to occur. And you raise a good point with the tenders, or in, in the U.S., we call it the RFPs, right? Around give us something, propose on something. And it's really going to look at, well, don't just tell us about your dollars. Tell us about what you actually do. And, you know, we're hearing, especially the younger generations, really want to be more conscious and purposeful in what they're buying and where they're putting their money. And they're starting to do more of this cancel culture and the boycotting of, of companies that are not ethical or not and not environmentally conscious, right? So I think there is a greater demand for this type of information and transparency. And so whether it's a finance part provi- providing the information or the auditor coming in and auditing and testing to the accuracy of that, Our profession really has a great role to play here in making this happen and making it real. Another example that
0: for me comes to mind is cybersecurity. In this challenging world that we're in, accountants are on about mitigating risk, keeping their clients safe. But it's hard in a remote working world, isn't it?
1: But cybersec must come under the ESG banner. It definitely does. It's, It's under the governance area, really. And it's tied back to the protection, again, of information, whether it's for our clients or customers or even our own employees. So really, how are we making decisions that are the right decisions, not just the profitable decisions to ensure protection of information?
0: Donnie, this has been terrific. We'll put your contact details on the show notes and we'll talk about your uh, accounting, Center for Accounting Transformation. You're doing some amazing things there and showing professional firms how to innovate and feature proof what they're doing. Would you leave us with a few words of advice for professionals listening, Donnie, to get a handle on ESG? And really get ahead of it so that it doesn't overtake them and they can truly serve their clients. Uh,
1: you know, first with anything, the earlier you start to look at what it is, the the sooner you'll be able to get up. Uh, and with something like ESG that is this complex and has all of these different angles. I'll give you examples in the beginning. It, environmental, social and governance. I, I mean, I just gave a few examples. If you look at the SASB framework for this, which looks like that is is going to be the one that might get an international adoption, that has I think it's something like, 25 or 30 different aspects. So you need to understand these different areas, and so you need to start getting up to speed now on what they're involved. And then the other thing to remember on, us to not just do all at once. You know, we talked about cybersecurity, we've talked about safety, we've, the environment again is kind of the easy one. Pick and choose one or two aspects and then start to go deeper into that. Because cybersecurity, everybody should already be doing. Ethics, everybody should already be doing. So take a please get a little deeper, start to understand how frameworks work, and then you'll be able to adopt the, the other ones as they get better definition.
0: What's frightening though is accountants are already busy, are out there. When they hear you say you've got to get to grips with this, you've got to go deeper with it, you've got to learn more. Accountants do want to stay relevant, they do want to stay current, but they're also time poor, and busy season always seems to be around the corner. So what advice would you give to them on what would happen if they don't stay current with this?
1: I think they're really going to be left behind. And and some people are, are going to say, well, you know what? The big firms are going to figure it out and I'm going to follow along. I'll be a late adopter. That yeah, That's right. That's right. I'll be a late adopter. And that, and I think it's an okay strategy. But if you really want to be able to to push your practice forward, you know, when draw draw well, Google, Google is a a good example. And Google in their culture, every employee has eight hours, basically one day a week to focus on something that's interesting or insightful for them. And the way that I often tell firms to think about this is what you don't need to be that, they're a startup. So you don't have to dedicate, what is that 20% of your time there.
0: Yeah, because all the accountants are crying out about chargeable hours and the billable hour and how much I'm losing. But to your point, professional development We need to allocate time for that
1: and not just require technical development, because we all have our required CPE or CEs, which, you know, roughly 40 hours a year. Most of that ends up going back to technical education. And luckily in this one, actually, ESG falls under technical because it's about standards. But take the time to, again, just to start to understand. And there's some of these more well-defined areas and, you know, spend that time. Because if you don't spend that time or you don't purposely make that time, you're never going to have that time. And so even for myself now, I have certain half a day a week that I block out purposely. And this is another one of the time management. I block it out already. And I say, this is my focus time and I'm going to work on what I need to work on. That's not my usual work. Well, Dolly, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for your expertise and your insights today. It's been wonderful to
0: get to grips with what is an emerging topic, but a really important one. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you for having me. It's a pleasure again.